CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell, and we are back yet again talking CFL football with our Week 11 CFL preview. Uh, Week 11 is here. Uh, We're basically at the halfway point of the CFL season, uh, and it's gone by pretty quick so far, hasn't it, Michael Garrell? Yeah, and unfortunately, and fortunately, I guess, whichever way you want to look at it, that means we're a little bit closer to the end of the season than the Grey Cup, unfortunately. Absolutely. Um, The Canadian Football Countdown is a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out all of the other great CF Pod Network shows at at CF Pod Network on Twitter and CFPodNetwork.ca. Uh, Mike, before we get into talking about the games this week, should we get to some programming news? Uh, Yep. Um, So this, unfortunately, likely will be Mike's and mine last show together for the 2018 CFL season. And uh, don't worry, we're not ill or any serious thing like that. Um, In September, I am going back to school to finish my final semester of my undergraduate degree uh, at university, and with that, I will be taking on a diminished role with the podcast, uh, as I'll be focusing on my studies for the fall term. Um, So what can we look forward to uh, in terms of how the programming is going to be structured still, Mike? Because we will still have content each week. Yeah, we will still have content. Um... What's basically going to wind up happening is after the Labor Day show, um, to bring some further news, I won't be on the show next week, and it has nothing to do with what Ryan just said. It was a pre-scheduled family vacation. Um, But after that, I will be handling the uh, weekly recap show. So basically the same kind of thing with the podcast that came out earlier this week with the co-host I'm not quite ready to name yet because I want to do it on social media. So look forward and I'm going to give our uh, listeners a chance to go to the website and actually find out for themselves who it is um, that way. So I won't be revealing who the co-host is for the back half of the year on the recap show just yet. But if you've been listening to Mike FM Winnipeg, the station, his name will be fairly familiar to those that have been longtime Mike FM listeners. Yeah, and uh, I'm not going away completely over the fall season. Uh, I will still be attempting to do our weekly preview show every week uh the interview uh the game breakdown interview with another member uh generally of the canadian football podcast network uh that i add to that each week i'm still planning to do those each week uh give or take knowing that you know full course load as i finish off the university degree may not allow me to uh some weeks but uh Definitely still the recap episode each week with Michael Garrell and uh, soon-to-be-named host um, joining him, and then you can look forward to me on the preview episode most weeks still. Uh, the only problem is, and I, and I, and I, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, and I, I just, you know, to put a little fun at the listeners, do I get to call you back if the Bombers advance to the Grey Cup? I, I'm sure we could make that work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's that's great. And of course, and, we hope for the sanity of all Blue Bomber fans that we go to the Great Cup. And of course, this is only temporary, as it is absolutely just a, a four-month term. Mike and I aren't splitting up. There's no hard feelings causing us to drift apart here. 
Uh, it was just a busy schedule in the fall. I need to take on a diminished role. So I will be doing that for the fall, but then come off season time, I will be back in the regular fashion and very much looking forward to that. And uh, I think I didn't say this publicly. I think they'll be able to say with me saying that. Um, uh, we've known about this for some time. Uh, at least I have. So it's not likely to surprise to me. And I, I just personally, Ryan, want to wish you a very successful final semester well thank you mike thank you i hope it goes well as well and then uh like i said i mean or like you said i'm very excited that uh, it's only temporary and that you'll be back uh, in the off season mike gets to learn how to edit the episodes Woo! it's not it's not too different than what i do for my day job uh, but that's a discussion for another day Absolutely. Um, yeah, so next week, Mike will not be here, so I will be taking over both episodes next week uh, and joined on the recap episode uh, by a fellow member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network uh, who has agreed to fill in with uh, for Mike, and that is uh, Tony from Rouge Radio uh, will be joining me next week to recap week 11. So look forward uh, to that. And uh, anyways, Mike, let's get into talking about the Week 11 CFL preview. Week 10 has come and gone. Uh, not a great week for the Pickums. Uh, both of us, one and three. Um, for me, that's kind of the norm, unfortunately. But uh, certainly, uh, we expect better from you. Yeah. I mean, uh, certainly a week where I think we thought the Bombers were going to perform very well, and they throw up a dud against Ottawa. Uh, Calgary obviously is the huge shock against Saskatchewan. Uh, BC loses one by one point to Toronto. Uh, we got the Edmonton Montreal game, right? But that wasn't exactly a, you know, you didn't need to be a rocket scientist for that one. You know, in fairness, I mean, I would like to say that our pits were common sense, but the CFL is not most weeks. It's not, especially this year. Need to get that reverse psychology going. Need to think outside the box a little bit. And we'll see if we can have a better week in that sense this week. Um, no game breakdown interview on this episode of the podcast. Uh, sometimes, you know, scheduling-wise, you just can't make things work. Uh, so no guests this week. Just Mike and I for the rest of this episode. Uh, and we'll go through and we'll talk about the matchups in the Bomber game and uh, talk about the other games as well. So. And no sending solos in, that, in its place. Strictly, no sing- strictly football talk. Strictly football talk. No, that, that's another podcast. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, uh, start the week starts off. We get a Thursday night game again. We can finally hear the Thursday night CFL anthem, uh, the Reclaws Long Live the Night. It returns after no Thursday night game last week. I know everybody's been going through withdrawal. Uh, We all can't wait to hear that song over and over on Thursday night. Um, As Edmonton takes on Hamilton in the hammer, uh, this game, what are you looking at storylines-wise? Well, interestingly enough, it's also the last Thursday night game of the season. Oh, man, now I'm sad again. But I think they made up for it with lots of Saturday and Sunday and a few triple headers uh, coming up. Oh, I, uh, can't, I can't wait for those triple headers. Yeah, it's a problem that I worked on two of the three triple headers, so the PBR will have to do the have to do the trip. Uh, no, but getting back to the game, I think the most uh, interesting thing that stands out is uh, C.J. Dable playing his former team. Yeah, and Gable was out of the lineup last week. Uh, Shaq Cooper did a great job filling in for him, but it looks like, at least today, C.J. Gable was back practicing. And, uh, well, we'll continue to monitor that and see if he does play against Hamilton. I imagine he will. But, uh, you know, Mike Riley has been uh, had some up and downs over the last little while. You know, two great games against Montreal, but a couple games there, like the one against Saskatchewan, where... 
You know, he didn't light things up the way Mike Riley normally does. Uh, faces a stiff Hamilton defense here. Um, and on the Hamilton side of things, you know, this is a Hamilton team that blew the Eskimos out uh, at the very beginning of the season. I think it was week two. Yeah, honestly, man, I, I think these two teams are are uh, a lot better than that week two game indicates. And I think today at least some of the reason for you know, a bit of a downtick in Riley's production lately. I don't know if you heard the news, but it was revealed today that uh, Mike Riley and his wife uh, had a daughter last night. Oh, well, congratulations to Mike and Emily Riley and uh, wishing mother and daughter and obviously Mike all the best. And oddly enough, he said today in his media stream, and you can check this out on the Edmonton Estimo Twitter account, the name of his daughter, and, and it's actually, unfortunately, temporarily escaping me. She got it from Travis Lule and his uh, his wife. Huh. So it's an, he had an interesting story about that. Uh, it's about a about a six minute video on the Eskimos uh, Twitter account, and uh, yeah, so he told the story of how the name actually came about. Well, if you didn't watch that Edmonton-BC game a couple weeks ago where they pointed out the fact that Mike Riley and Travis Lule were good friends about 37 times, uh, I think this may be another indication that these two guys are, in fact, good friends. Keys of the game. Uh, start with Hamilton. What's What do they got to do? Well, Hamilton, I mean, it's... Can you find that, I want to say, mojo you had in the first four weeks? You know, they seem like they were rather... But honestly, I had them in the preseason at the top of the East, if I'm not mistaken. And they started out looking like they were going to be. And all of a sudden, I think the biggest thing for Hamilton is they haven't been able to balance out the turnovers. Right. They, they've been turning the ball over a lot more than they've been forcing turnovers. And I don't think that the offense and defense are complementing each other as well as they could be. Yeah, you mentioned the strong start to the year. Uh, two and one start to the year, and then since then, uh, in their last five games, they're one and four. So struggles as of late. And, of course, their one win is that 50-11 to 11, uh, beatdown of the Montreal Alouettes. It's very interesting because, you know, I wonder, you know, a lot was made about, you know, June Jones, as you would call right? How, you know, June Jones is a, is a top, not upper echelon, but he he's going to be the one to lead the Hamilton Tiger Cats, you know, to success. Well, if you look at it, unfortunately, June Jones' coaching record is hovering at slightly below 500. Right. And everybody seems to think that he is the solution. I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that, you know, June Jones' job is on the line, but I, re I really don't think so. But I think people are giving June Jones a little bit more credit at this point than I think he, he deserves. Uh, key of the game for Edmonton, what do they need to do to win this one? Well, I, I think it's fairly obvious, to be completely honest. I mean... You touched on it earlier. I mean, I don't think you you look. I don't think you have to look very far other than that week two matchup, which happened in Edmonton, where the Edmonton Eskimos got embarrassed in their own building and did not play up to their capability, especially after beating the Bombers in that week one game. For me, I think it's all about getting even with the Tiger Cats and. And trying to maybe steal one in the hammer. And let's let's be frank. Tim Hortons Field used to be a place where nobody seemed to seem to be able to win for the longest time. Right. Now now all of a sudden the Tiger Cats can't defend home field. So this to me is a winnable game for Edmonton, but it's not a slam dunk for Edmonton. Uh so who are you taking to win this one? I have to begrudgingly go with the road team by two points. I'm going with Edmonton as well. I think as of right now, they're the better team. Um, you know, Hamilton has had a slide as of late. Uh, they have faced some tough competition. 
Uh, and I think Edmonton is certainly tough competition as well. And I think they're the better team right now. Look at the depth they have at wide receiver. I mean, they've added Bryant Mitchell back into that as well. And he had a great game. Um, and Mike Riley uh, has so many weapons at his disposal. Yes, the Ticats have a fairly decent defense. I don't know if they can stop Edmonton's offense in this one. So uh, as long as the Eskimos don't shoot themselves in the foot, I'm going to take Edmonton to win. Well, and, and, and here's the thing. Like, the reason I said, you know, begrudgingly is there is no reason why Hamilton can't win this game. Right. This, this to me, is the coin flip. But when I look at the variables of what will make the winning team win this game, I have more confidence in Edmonton doing the little things in large part because of Mike Riley just a smidgen better than Jeremiah Mazzoli, at least of late, and track record. Getting into the next game, the Friday night game, uh, 6.30 Central Friday night, Toronto in Montreal to face the Alouettes. Uh, two, as far as, you know, playing time in the CFL goes, young quarterbacks going head-to-head. I know McLeod Bethel-Thompson is 30 years old, but he's making his third start against what looks like to be Antonio Pipkin uh, making his second straight start, at least at this point as we record this on Tuesday night. Uh, Johnny Manziel missing practice again, still recovering from the concussion symptoms. Uh, Possibly will get into practice time this week, but I don't think he'll be playing. Uh, Stay tuned, that could change as well. But uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, Antonio Pipkin. I'm interested to see what Pipkin can do with the second straight start because I I thought he fared decently well given the expectations against him uh, last week against Edmonton. Well, and here's the thing. I I think Pipkin, you know, deserves a look. And to be honest with you, I think the quarterback matchup is now on even terms between these two teams. Well, I wouldn't go necessarily there yet uh bethel thompson has two games under him uh, an incredible comeback and an amazing debut in his first one um and pulls out the win again in the second one uh pipkin loses his first start i don't think it's quite even but is it fair to say you know because toronto may be on a two-game win streak here under bethel thompson but they've only won both of those by one point to need to come back in both is this the closest thing in the near future to a winnable game for the Alouettes? I'm not sure. Um, well, I'll come out and say this right now, but it didn't, didn't help me uh, with, with my explanation. But I'm totally pitching Toronto, just because, quite frankly, right now I don't trust that Montreal defense. And based on the problems that I saw them having, I'm not sure how they can rectify that on a short week. Yeah, I I tend to agree with that statement. Uh, Their defense, uh, we talked about it on the recap episode this week. Uh, Four games this year, they've given over 40 points. Uh, They've given up a heck of a lot of yards in recent weeks as well to the likes of Mike Riley and Trevor Harris. And Paul McLeod Bethel-Thompson certainly doesn't have the track record of those guys. Uh, He could be in for a fairly good day here. Uh, Let's talk keys of the games, Mike. Uh, Montreal, start with them. Well, if I could just quickly pick up on uh, something with McLeod Bethel-Thompson here real quick. Sure. I think something that's motivated McLeod Bethel-Thompson more than anything is he kind of had this reputation of a guy that's kind of been everywhere. The journeyman. He's been on a couple NFL teams. He's found his way to CFL. But the fact of the matter is he hasn't been anywhere where he's been able to establish himself as the number one, you know what I mean? Right. And so I think that's a bit of a, you know, I think that gives them a bit of light, that, that lights a fire underneath the McLeod Bethel Thompson, because I think he really senses, to be honest with you, and this is no disrespect to, to James Franklin at all, but I think McLeod Bethel Thompson is seizing the opportunity to be the long-term number one in Toronto, something that he hasn't personally had. So I think he's personally motivated to excel and do well. And I think that David's been on as many teams as he has been on. Also commend a little bit of respect in the huddle as far as 
you know, this is the way we do things. James Franklin, to me, and then this is just having watched James Franklin in the past couple of weeks, he almost seems, um, what's what's the word I'm trying to look for here? Too lighthearted, you know, he he's laughing and joking around, and and he had that demeanor to it, you know, that you need on your team. Whereas McLeod Bethel Thompson is kind of that that serious lot that you know here's the urgency, like we've got to play with some urgency, especially in those two games with the Bombers. And granted, those games were were not close, but early in those games, I never saw the urgency from James Franklin. But I'm seeing right now with McLeod Bethel Thompson exhibit a two weeks ago. They were down as many points as they were. And McLeod Bethel Thompson showed a lot of urgency. James Franklin, when Ardos had deficits like that, particularly against the Bombers, I didn't see that urgency. And I'll tell you what, if McLeod Bethel Thompson can play with that urgency, that whole offense kind of gets a boost from the way the quarterback played, if you lead by example. So that's my key for Toronto. McLeod Bethel Thompson, keep your urgency right up there and then kind of motivate your team and maybe start, you know, I don't want to sound rude, but, you know, if you, if you, if you start to do things early in the football game, you don't necessarily have to rely on those comebacks. But it's a learning process, and I'll tell you what, I never had McLeod Bethel Thompson in my wildest dreams, going for a third straight win as a starter. Uh, talking about Montreal's side of things, uh, their lineup will be a little bit different this week. Uh, they released re- wide receiver TJ Graham, and uh, we talked about it already last episode, Terrell Sutton going down with a really unfortunate injury. Uh, great opportunity for William Stanback to get a start here, and uh, we'll get into our fantasy section later, and I think he may... He might be a good pick in that sense. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. And uh, John Bowman, uh, despite uh, taking an injury to his elbow a couple weeks ago that looked quite painful, uh, is back practicing and may be back in the lineup as early as this week. Man, if there's a guy you want on your team, it's John Bowman. He, exe- he exemplifies team player. And a blue dive is going to be just the guy I think the Alouettes need defensively to kind of turn this thing around. And I, I honestly, like, I when I when I read that tweet today, I really got to thinking that maybe the value of John Bowman to the Montreal Alouettes is being shown when he's not in the lineup. Just how important of a guy he is for that defense, whether it's showing guys where to line up. You know, how to play, you know, to the best of your ability and that kind of thing. But I think to me, what screams right now for Montreal, at least, is I think they're desperately miss- missing the leadership that John Bowman provides. Absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, it was a torn bicep he had three weeks ago against Hamilton. And uh, the tweet from John Liu said, uh, fa- a faster return than expected, but uh, Bowman says he's old school and the pain makes me feel alive. Warrior. Absolutely. Um, key of the game for Montreal, what is it? Well, if you could get John Bowman back in the game, uh, I mean, that would be epic because for me, this is simple key to the game is we saw what happened with Pipkin last week and how he started that game. Unfortunately, he didn't finish the same way that it started. But if he gets some help from the defense this week, I, I think the Ardo, I think sorry, the Alouettes here stand a chance. But I think the whole thing rides on their defense. And I can't even believe I'm saying that compared to what I said coming into the year. Yeah, where we talked about the offense being all of the struggles, and the offense isn't beautiful by any sense in Montreal, but. Uh... It's not the only problem on that team. The defense has been an issue. Uh, getting into our picks for this game, I mean, you already gave yours. You said Toronto. I agree with you. I'm going to go with Toronto in this one. But I will say um, I'm not entirely sold on the Argos still. You know, they, they've they pulled out two gutsy one-point wins in a row. Um This is a winnable game for the Alouettes, I think, if they can fix some of the things we talked about. 
Uh, that being said, I still think Toronto pulls this one out, so I'm going to go with the Argos. Yeah, it's just a very interesting scenario because I think it's a lot like this Thursday night game or this one could be a coin flip. Absolutely. Because I think, to be honest with you, both quarterbacks are a wild card. They are. I mean, two games is not enough for me to go and definitively say be behind Bethel Thompson as, you know, a premier starter in the CFL. I think he's been very impressive in those two starts, but I, I want to see him continue to produce that. And and I think he will this week against Montreal. It's an opportunity for the Argos to say, you know what? You're not catching us in the standings. We're going to put our foot down. We're going to win this game, and we're going to go three games up on you guys. But don't forget, right now, I think the standings are with Toronto's two games ahead of Montreal. Yep. So if the Alouettes win, it's down to one game. If the Ardenauts win, it's up to three games. So there's a, there's a two two games or, i.e., four points swing in the standings at state here as well. Getting into the Saturday games, two games on Saturday. Uh, Winnipeg-Calgary is at 2.30 uh, Central Time, and Saskatchewan-BC is at 9. Uh, we're going to start with the Saskatchewan-BC game because uh, I want to talk the Bomber game in a little bit more depth. Um, so Saskatchewan-BC, I mean, Saskatchewan is coming off the high of highs. They dethroned uh, the unbeatable Calgary Stampeders this past week in tremendous fashion. Uh, they're definitely coming off the high of that, whereas BC, I mean, uh, a one-point loss that uh, they made a couple mistakes late in the game. Yeah, it's an interesting scenario. Um, I don't know what to paint to BC. And I said this on the show earlier in the week. It's kind of a win-one-lose-one, win-one-lose-one, win-one-lose-one situation. Uh, the record is pretty close to 500, if not 500. Well, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's three and five. So, uh, okay. three so, wins, and all three wins have come at home. So, they played five games on the road and three at home. Well, no, I think they've lost a game at home as well. Okay. Um, but, no, I mean, basically... Uh, what? Actually, you are correct. They they are they are undefeated at home. Three wins at home, five losses on the road. Yeah. So to me, that to me that's very very interesting. Um, that way, like I said, but you know, this is a game where last week had Saskatchewan not pulled off the win would have been bait for essentially staying out of last place in any possible tiebreaker and. I would maintain that it's still a very important game despite the win because I think the Riders are going to come out with the mentality of, and everybody's going to come out and say, well, while you beat Calgary, how do you follow that up, right? And I guess my question is, if the Riders lose this game, are we back to basically where we were before the Saskatchewan-Calgary game? Right, and uh, this is a big one for BC, too, because it helps them stay in the race. Uh, you lose this game to Saskatchewan, you you fall two games down. I know we're only halfway through the season, but this is a very competitive West division. And for Saskatchewan, I mean, you are coming off a big game against Calgary. The issue here is you better not follow that up with a dud uh, against the team you should beat in BC. Well, here, here's the pain. I don't want to come out and say this because I ain't it way too early to say this, but I don't think it is that far fetched either. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna come out and say the BC season is on the line here this weekend. Oh wow, uh, that's just the way I see it because if BC loses, they're zero and one in the season series with Saskatchewan. Okay, they've already lost the season series to really the next closest team to them in the standings in the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You can't exactly go about losing season series in your own division. Right. And quite frankly, I hope the Lions win this game. And I think it to be a very competitive game. I am really worried about the Ryder letdown here for Saskatchewan. Let's get into the keys of the game. Uh, start with the home team as we do, the BC Lions. Uh, what do they have to do to win here? 
Well, basically, whatever's been working at home, you got to keep it that way. It's unfortunate, and I think I may have said this the other day too, it's unfortunate that they don't bring the way they play at home on the road. And I, I think it's, to be honest, I was asked about this today, you know, well, what to make to the spread between BC's home and away disparity. And I just chalked it up to be coincidental. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you. I mean, I think there is a sense of home field advantage uh, for BC and maybe, you know, the fact that they have the dome and they're used to playing in the dome while the other teams aren't. I don't know if that has an impact uh, or certainly the time change, you know, the time difference for Eastern teams coming out West uh, to play in BC, I think may have an effect there as well. But yeah, you mentioned it, you know, do what you've been doing at home. And, and frankly, I think the way you have to beat Saskatchewan is not turn the ball over because that's that's how Saskatchewan's been winning their football games is off defensive touchdowns. It's very interesting. Uh, it's very interesting that you said that because I, I think it's quite frank. We neutralize that uh, front four, avoid turnovers, and made Zach Kalaros' night miserable. Yeah. Uh, from the Saskatchewan side of things, uh, what do they need to do? Well, they need to show that last week wasn't an accident. I, I, I think that there's a, and I don't know this for a fact at all, but I think there's some people in Ryder Nation going, great, you know, we won that game. I think there was a lot of people, contrary to what some people in Saskatchewan might be saying, I think there was a very small fortune uh, or a very small portion of fans that uh, saw this win coming. I think the vast majority of people thought this game would be competitive and they wouldn't necessarily win. So it's a question among Ryder Nation is, how do you follow that up? And I think it would be a big letdown given the... Unfortunately, I think the Riders have always had expectations on them just based on the market, based on just a myriad of things that make the riders the riders. I I just feel that unfortunately they're the victim of their own success. You know what I mean? Right. With every with every win against top teams, now there's gonna be this discussion of well you beat the top team now you should beat everybody else, right? Right. And to be honest with you. If Foley by Mitchell and the Calgary Stampeders don't turn the ball over as much as they do, I'm not sure that Saskatchewan can win. I'm not sure Saskatchewan wins that game if they don't turn the ball over. That being said, turnovers were forced because that front four was an absolute monster. Yeah, this is a... I don't know who to pick in this game, Mike, because you've talked about both sides of things. BC undefeated at home, 3-0 and at home this year. Something goes right for them there. I do still like the Lions, despite the letdown this past week. I love Travis Lue at quarterback. I think they're starting to piece things together there offensively. I think the defense is starting to, in a sense, you know, maybe round into form a little bit. Uh, they are still giving up a lot of yards, but Saskatchewan's offense doesn't score a lot. Uh, you know, they, got, they had six field goals this past game, only scored one offensive touchdown despite putting up 40 points against Calgary. But their defense is so tenacious, I don't know if BC can crack that. Um, so who are you taking? Uh, I still got to think on this one for a couple seconds. I'm going to tip a lot of people off by saying this. I have not been right with a single rider pit this year one way or the other. So either way, I'm going to upset somebody in Rider Nation. I am picking the Rough Riders to win on uh, Saturday. Why? Just because I think they are a better team right now than BC. BC's 3-5. and five. Then again, I think BC is actually a better... Like, honestly, I'm confusing myself with who I'm going to pick just by discussing it because I really honestly feel... Like BC is the better football team in three and five. They've lost a couple close games. They should be four and four. Maybe, maybe, maybe five and three. On the flip side, you know, people would say that they should be uh, two and six because they shouldn't have won that game against the Bombers, but they did. 
So at the end of the day, I'm more comfortable pitting the riders than I am about, about BC if I take the home field out of the big picture. And, and to me, you know, we, we talk about, well, the defense can't possibly force turnovers at the, the rate it did, right? How many point, how key were those turnovers in that win over Calgary? At the same time, the offense eventually has to get better in Saskatchewan, and they have the pieces there to do so. And I think slowly but surely they have been with, since Zach Caleros has come back. You know, they haven't put the points up necessarily, but he's starting to get more yards, starting to get the run game going a little more. Trey Mason's getting a little more involved there. And uh, they have a very promising young receiver in Jordan Williams-Lambert, who has stepped up this past week and I think will continue to be a favorite target for Zach Caleros going forward here. So I'm going to take the Riders to win a close game here. I agree with you. Uh, just a quick question. Sure. Uh, you, you talked about Trey Mason. and the games you've seen Trey Mason play, does he fumble a little bit too much for your lighting? Uh, I haven't noticed that. Uh, I have missed a couple Saskatchewan games this year, admittedly, but uh, I, I think Mason's starting to get... I, I know he did fumble one this week. I know that's what you were talking about there. Uh, yeah, he he fumbled a couple too in the Calgary game uh, a couple weeks ago. Too. Right. So it it was just brought to my attention, you know, when I talked to a writer fan and and I said, well, what's your concerns? One of them that was brought up to me and I I found it to be very interesting was the fact that Trey Mason may fumble a little bit more than than one would like. Yeah, and if that continues to be the case, then uh, I would imagine Marcus Digbin gets the bulk of the carries going forward, or even Cam Marshall gets back into the lineup. So uh, I, I'm not too concerned about the Riders' run game in that sense. No, no, me neither. And I just think it's unbelievable, you know, if the Riders could have a consistent offense and score two to three touchdowns a game, they would be my great cup favor right now. We both take Saskatchewan to win this one uh, in what we think will be a close game. Uh, looks like we're predicting a lot of uh, games that could go either way this week. And I think uh, the other game, uh, the Winnipeg-Calgary game, is a game that a lot of people circled on their calendars uh, a couple weeks ago as a game that maybe this is Calgary's game where they finally fall Obviously, Saskatchewan beat the Bombers to that this past week. Uh, but you have Winnipeg going into Calgary on Saturday. Uh, both teams coming off a loss they can't be happy with. Uh, Ottawa comes into Winnipeg and steamrolls the Bombers, and Calgary basically gives the game away in the form of turnovers to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. What do you think of this matchup? Well, I have a very interesting take on the matchup and that is number one this should be and I'm trying to be non-biased but I think for a large portion of the season these have been the top two teams in the West and I really don't believe that last week for both these teams changes that um, proclamation for the Bombers, I think, quite frankly, some of them were looking ahead to this game and kind of forgot about Ottawa. I don't know how you saw that. Yeah, no, I, mean, I agree with you. I mean, the if I watched that Bomber game between recording this, this show and the last one, and to me it looked like there were a lot of Bombers that were really looking forward to this game instead of the other game. And it happens. It's natural as an athlete, right? There's some games you get up for more. Than others, and this would be one of them. On the flip side, I don't think anybody saw Calgary going undefeated either. I just don't think anybody saw it coming that it was going to be this last week. So, again, Calgary doesn't lose two in a row. The Bombers are going to be snarly because they lost the last game. I really don't think the Bombers wanted to go into a bat to bat with probably the second hottest team in the CFL on a two-game losing streak, especially since I pit the Riders to win their second straight game. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of there's a lot of obscure storylines that go into it, thanks to last week. 
And I don't know if it's just the in general the unpredictableness of the CFL, but in my head and in my heart, I have a prediction of who's going to win. But I frankly don't trust it. You know what I mean? Right. Let's, uh, let's get into our game breakdown here. Uh, we don't have a guest interview this week to do the game breakdown. So, Mike, you get to be in on the uh, positional breakdowns this week. So we go offense, defense, and special teams. Offensive side of the ball. This is very. This is a very interesting one to me because... These are the top two offenses in the CFL. Uh, Bombers average 32.11 points a game. Calgary averages 29.12. Bombers are better when it comes to rushing. Calgary's better when it comes to passing. I think we'd both agree Bo Levi Mitchell is the better quarterback than Matt Nichols. I think think we both agree that uh, Andrew Harris is the better running back, and overall the Bombers have the better run game. I, I don't think it matters, no matter who Calgary puts in as the running back, I don't think anybody surpasses Andrew Harris. Certainly not. Um, looking at wide receiver, which what, which which group of wide receivers do you think is better, Calgary or Winnipeg? Whoa, boy. Right now, or which is capable of being better? Right now. I've taken a long time to think about it, but Calgary, I guess? I, I think I would say so as well, especially given that Weston Dressler is injured. Because um, he won't be playing again this week, right? So I imagine Ryan Lankford will be in the lineup again. Although, personally, I would like to see Tim Flanders finally get back into the lineup for the Bombers. I, I think you have two really strong offenses here. Um, you know, Calgary is obviously missing their big piece in Eric Rogers, but that, I mean, you still have Kamar Jordan, Devaris Daniels, Mark and Michelle. I could go on forever. It's, uh, an, embar- it's an embarrassment of riches. Right. And in Winnipeg, you've got Darvin Adams, who had a monster week last week. Nick Dembski, who's had a pretty solid season thus far. Uh, Kenbrell Tompkins, who looks like a promising young guy there. Uh, Drew Wallatarski's showing some flashes this year, and... So I, I might give the edge, like, who do you overall on offense give the edge to? I, I think I trend slightly, actually, in Calgary's direction, just of the combo of Bowie Mitchell and their group of wide receivers. Yes, the Bombers have a better run game, uh, but who do you give the edge to? I, I give the edge to exactly what you said, offense a little bit to Calgary, but, man, if the Bombers do what... Find a way to do what Saskatchewan did to Calgary and made Bully by Mitchell look very average. Then I think he got a taste for the Bombers being a little better. Defensive side of the ball. Uh, I think this could be a very quick, um, quick conversation here. Mike, which defense do you think is better? Well, the Bombers had a stinker last week. Uh, Calgary defense had a stinker last week, although... Upon further dissection and analogy, last I checked, and you can verify this if you want, defenses aren't responsible for offensive turnovers, particularly when they're brought to the house, uh, when the defense isn't even on the field for some of the points. So I would say the Calgary defense is maybe only responsible for half of the points, maybe a little more than... Maybe a little more, maybe a little less than what they were on the field for. So I think it's a fairly lopsided advantage for Calgary, just from the standpoint of you don't know which bomber defense is going to show up. Right. Is it the one we had in the first three weeks? Is it the one on the win streak? Okay, then we have a close game, right? So. Or is it the one that we saw against Ottawa this past Friday, which right. was very much the same as those first couple weeks of the season? It, it, there are so many juicy storylines, but all because the entire CFL got flipped on its head on its head last week. For sure, you know we could have looked at a scenario coming into this past week or coming into this game where Calgary is what is it seven and zero, eight and zero, I guess at that point. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Winnipeg is on, I think, like a four-game winning streak. Yeah, be five. That. So they could have been six and three. Yeah, so it's almost something like that. Uh, uh, go back to, I think, last year or the year before where both teams were coming in on a combined like 15-game win streak into a matchup. We could have had that, but no, both these teams lost this past week. I give the edge, obviously, to Calgary on defense. 15.75 points against per game they're giving up. And that's skewed because, again, you know, some of those points, as you mentioned, came from the offense. I just think far and away they're the better defense. The Bombers' defense can certainly show up and force turnovers uh, if they come mm-hmm. to play. And they're definitely going to need to do that. The, um, one, the, the one thing I want to see the Bombers exploit and I'm no coach, and I'm not in the meeting room, so let, let's make that clear. But I think Saskatchewan made a pretty decent uh, blueprint on how to beat Calgary. Yeah. And that is pressure with your front four. And last I checked, when the Bombers did pressure with their front four, they are an unbelievable force to be reckoned with. Last week, they had barely any pressure to their front four because of quick hitters from Trevor Harris. And they lost the game. So, again, I think the stats one here drew up the blueprint on how to beat Calgary. I'm just wondering if Richie Hall was paying attention. Special team side of the ball, uh, who do you give it an edge to there? Bombers. Why? Uh, no doubt about it. Um, if you ask me who I'd want as a field goal kicker, uh, Justin Medlock over Rene Paradis. But more so, I think the advantage is skewed in the Bombers' favor when it comes to punting. Justin Medlock, when he is on, and we saw it in the game before the Ottawa game, where he started pinning teams inside the 10-yard line consistently, inside the 20-yard line consistently. The Bombers' special teams unit limits a lot of return damage, except for the odd kit, which happens to every other unit in the CFL. There's a lot more to like, in my opinion, with the Bomber special teams unit. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, the one, you know, asterisk in there, if uh, Dave Dickinson can perfect his uh, taunting of uh, opposing kickers this week, um, like he tried to do to Brett Lauder this past week, you know, if he really perfects that, as he joked, he needs to uh, improve his trash talk a little. Uh, maybe he throws Justin Medlock off his game, but... No, of course I'm kidding on that. Um, Generally, I always go and pick the Bombers' special teams because Mike O'Shea is a special teams genius, and uh, just when you think he's come up with his most harebrained idea yet, he seems to pull another one out of his hat. So I give the edge on that one to Winnipeg, as you did. Uh, Keys of the game, quickly. We kind of already talked about them, I think, for Winnipeg. Uh, would you agree it's uh, just to get pressure on Bowie by Mitchell and force some turnovers early? And execution on special teams is a must. Right. Um, and then for Calgary, what is their key of the game? Find a way to have your offensive line take away the pass rush. I understand, and this might be why there was some, some kind of pass rush going on here for Saskatchewan. Sounded like one of the Calgary offensive linemen took a big hit uh, as far as injury goes last week, and that kind of threw things into disarray. Uh, now I'm remembering, too, that uh, Jamarcus Hardwick is unlikely to play for the Blue Bombers this week. Right. Uh, as he was in practice with a knee brace, so Fichetti will be in his place. Um, so that's just another dynamic that I think we can talk about quickly. Um, but that being said, I mean, I didn't tell we need to find a way to slow down the Winnipeg pass rush. And if there's any quarterback that it sells in the CFL at quick hitters, it's Calgary. And trust me, it scares the heck out of me. Uh, picks in this game. I'm going with Calgary at home. I think the Bombers have the potential to be competitive here. Well, I think they will be competitive. But that Calgary defense uh, is still very good. Uh, I can't imagine Calgary turning the ball over as many times as they did uh, against Saskatchewan. I, I'm expecting more of a bounce back from them than from Winnipeg. All right. I will pick Calgary as well. 
and I'll get to the very nitty-gritty detail on a last second field goal by Rene Paradis. All right, uh, heartbreak for the Bombers in Calgary. Mike, uh, it's time to get into our fantasy fix for Week 11, uh, talking premium pickups, bargain bin buys. Uh, we'll start with the premium pickups. Uh, it, by the way, in terms of fantasy over the last couple of weeks, just update, I've been over 100 points uh, the last two weeks. Uh, took Matt applause, Nich- applause to you, sir. Took Matt Nichols as my quarterback last week, despite you know his struggles. He still did throw up a couple long bombs that picked up some points there. So um, this week, what we're looking at uh, in terms of premium pickups, you know, high-priced guys that are gonna bring you high amounts of points. I ain't got quarterback position. It's the guy we've talked about already in Bo Levi Mitchell. I think he, uh, you know, despite his struggles, you you mentioned that he had a, a, a kind of an average week against Saskatchewan. He still threw four touchdown passes. Yeah, but some of those, Ryan, and I hate to sound nitpicky, two of them were when they were trying to make a rally, right? I mean, right. you know, you let up a little bit if you're, if you're Saskatchewan. It's just human nature. And... You know, the other one was in the, in the in the first quarter, and believe they also got one in the fourth quarter too. Um, but you know, he threw four touchdowns, and that went kind of under the radar. I it just reinforced how good Saskatchewan was. That you know, you won the game despite Bo Mitchell, uh, as Rod Blatt likes to call him, throwing for four touchdowns. Um, at running back position, I think you've got two guys, James Wilder Jr. for the Argos, um, going up against Montreal's defense. You know, James Wilder has definitely become more involved uh, in the offense uh, with McLeod Bethel-Thompson relying on him quite a bit, and he faces the Montreal defense. That's a heck of a matchup there for him. Uh, and Alex Green for the uh, for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, you know, he's put up four touchdowns in the last two games he's played. Uh, he he does get all of the carries basically now for Hamilton, and he's facing the Eskimos, who at times this year have struggled a little against the run. So I really like those two guys at running back. At wide receiver, uh, one of Bo Levi Mitchell's targets, Kamar Jordan, uh, has consistently put up uh, big points each week uh, with the absence of Eric Rodgers is the go-to guy. Uh, Bowie by Mitchell's offense, and uh, like we talked about, you never know what you're going to get from the Bombers' defense, even when they're on their game, like they arguably were a couple weeks ago against Hamilton. You still, they one guy always comes up with a big game against the Bombers, uh, and I think that's Kamar Jordan this week. I have a question for you while we're on the topic of Kamar Jordan and possible, you know, matchups. Sure. Are you concerned with the amount that Kevin Ford was picked apart last week? Um, yes, uh, perhaps not to the extent of, uh, somebody who was sitting right behind me at the game that l- lamented it on every single play. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, Kevin Fogg did give up, uh, quite a few yards this past week, was eaten alive, uh, by Ottawa's offense. And, uh, you know, he's, he's had a fairly strong year this year, I thought. Uh, and this was a down game for him. So maybe, you know, Calgary looks to exploit that with Kamara Jordan. The other guy at wide receiver that I think is a lock to try to fit in your lineup, and conveniently both these guys are the two highest-priced guys, is Brandon Banks. Uh, Banks has put up uh, basically 20 points almost every week this year. He had two weeks where he went around five points, uh, one week at 18.3, and other than that he's put over 20 every single week. So I think Brandon Banks is you know a lock basically every week. And on defense, we've already talked about it. It's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, they force turnovers in bunches. They score more touchdowns almost, basically, than their offense does. I think Saskatchewan's defense, uh, if you can fit that salary in your lineup, which as of right now, somehow I have found a way to do so, at $5,740, the Saskatchewan defense uh, will put up points. How are you as far as pitting one of these two defenses between uh, the Bombers and Calgary? Well, I I think Calgary is certainly a better shutdown defense, but I think, you know, possibly the Bombers in terms of turnovers are a better play there. I don't think 
you know, they're they're high-priced defenses. They're basically the same price, you know, a $500 difference from Saskatchewan. I love Saskatchewan's matchup a lot better, um, so I would stay away from them this week. Okay. Uh, getting into the bargain bin buys, the, the, the guys you're going to get at a great value and are going to put up points for you this week. At the quarterback position, I think personally you might even throw him in as a lock of the week. Uh, as a premium pickup as well, and that's McLeod Bethel-Thompson going up against Montreal. Uh, Montreal has given up passing yards in bunches. They've given up points in bunches all year long. Bethel-Thompson is 2-0 as a starter, is starting to piece things together with that Toronto offense. Uh, I really like McLeod Bethel-Thompson as a quarterback pick this week. Um, Here's an interesting dive for you. Kind of maybe... A byproduct for you would be unknown, and that's William Standback. Absolutely. Uh, $4,000, William Standback, I think, is a great value play as he gets the starting job. He's filled in a couple games due to blowouts and injuries uh, for Terrell Sutton, and uh, he's shown flashes in the time he's been in there, and he's done an excellent job in the return game uh, since filling in for Stefan Logan uh, after he got injured earlier this year. You know, I'm not entirely sold on Toronto's defense yet. Uh, they gave up a lot of rushing yards to Andrew Harris, and I know Andrew Harris and Standback is not a very fair comparison, um, but Toronto's given up a lot of rushing yards on defense at times throughout this year. I, I think that uh, William Standback could be a great cheap play this week. Here's an interesting dive. It's on, on the list. Although he isn't necessarily anointed as a starter, and that's Trey Mason. Yeah, you talked about Trey Mason uh, a bit earlier in terms of, you know, a guy that maybe fumbles a bit, which might turn you off from him because, you know, you lose two points every time your guy fumbles the ball. But I think he's slowly starting to pick up the number of carries in, in the offense. He had his most carries of the season this past week. I think he had 12. He also had a couple catches. Uh, it appears to be he's getting the bulk of the load more so, and uh, Marcus Digpin is thrown in there maybe, you know, for some spark plays type of thing. If they need a big play, maybe they'll throw Thigpen in there. But uh, Trey Mason's definitely getting a steady piece of the work. And another guy, I think, in that Saskatchewan offense that is starting to get a steady piece of the work is Jordan Williams-Lambert. Uh, had a monster week this past week. I believe it was something like 10 catches for 150 yards, um, 152 yards against Calgary of all teams, 25.2 points. Uh, he's $3,496. Um, he's starting to get, you know, he's had in the last four games, six, five, four, ten 10 catches, um, over 50 yards in three of those games. I, I think Jordan Williams-Lambert is starting to become a featured member of that Saskatchewan offense. So buy low while you can with him, I guess, is what you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because reading between the lines, you're fully, you're fully expecting as he gets more busy for that price to go up substantially. Right, and that's what happens when the price is updated each week. Just look at how Nick Dembski has risen. Just look at... Heck, Duke Williams was like $3,000 at the start of the year, and now he's in the top, you know, five receivers pricing-wise over 8000 bucks. Yeah, that, that explains it. Um, and then the other guy at wide receiver that I really like this week is Anthony Coombs of the Toronto Argonauts. He had his first game back this past week from injury. Uh, got a nice long touchdown there. Uh, we've talked about Toronto's need for all, all season long for, you know, more weapons in that offense. Uh, I think Coombs is one as a guy that can be definitely a tool for McLeod Bethel Thompson to throw to. Uh, and again, against that Montreal defense that gives up a lot of passing yards. I love Anthony Coombs. Um, here's an interesting scenario. You have BC's defense on your list of bargain bin buys. Is that because they are the most, I guess, likely, given the unpredictability of Saskatchewan's offense? Yeah. Uh, you look at the guys that are cheap, or the defenses that are cheap this week. Uh, BC and Montreal are both at $3,200. Edmonton's a little bit ahead at 3349 which I think Edmonton's defense would be a great value play as well, because they have some guys that can get after the quarterback pretty well there, but... 
no, Saskatchewan's offense has proven that they don't necessarily uh, get that much done. And I think BC's defense at times has shown some flashes of being able to force turnovers and turn a game on its head. And, you know, they added added Sean Lemon uh, a couple weeks ago to that defense there. I I believe I heard reports earlier today that they may have released Gabe Napton, uh, but they've also brought back Micah Awe. Uh, to add to their defense there I, I like I'm starting to like BC's defense a little bit more in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback and forcing turnovers I think that's the way today's CFL is defense and turnovers because quite frankly the quarterbacks are as good as they've ever been in some time the offense picks up a lot of points you know lead wide when a lead is set up with rules that basically favored offensive players I think teams are starting to look for a way to counteract that. Well, Mike, that's it for our fantasy fix for this week. Uh, Let's wrap up this episode. Uh, Game of the week, which one do you think it will be? Game of the week? Winnipeg Calgary. I think I could take almost any of these games as a game of the week. I could see Saskatchewan BC being a game of the week. I could see Edmonton Hamilton. But yes, I will agree with you. You have two very, you know, you have a strong offense facing a strong defense in Winnipeg versus Calgary uh, going head-to-head here. And Calgary's offense is no slouch uh, whatsoever either. So I think this is going to be a very interesting game between those two teams on Saturday. Just a quick note here while it's on my head. It's been on my head for the entire show. Um the class that has been exuded by John Ryan, former Blue Bomber, a 10-year CFL, or a 10-year, sorry, NFL player with the Seattle Seahawks, wrote a very touching article, or was part of a very touching article, which exuded nothing but class. And the odd part about it is that he asked for his own release, which I found a little bit curious. And... Interestingly enough, it was granted without hesitation by Seattle, has signed on this afternoon with the Buffalo Bills. So nice to see a former Blue Bomber making a career of it down south. And I will never forget this. I remember watching, and I don't know if you remember this, Ryan, or if you were just starting to get into the CFL by then. John Ryan had a 92-yard punt. Oh, jeez. And and 75 of them, I want to say, were in the air. Bowsers. That's impressive. Just hammered the thing. The bombers were pinned deep in their own zone. That's the only only thing I remember about it. And the commentators were saying, oh, they're going to get great field position. This was John Ryan's rookie year. Nobody seemed to know who he was. And he literally puts this cannon on his leg. And all you see is the returner just sprinting backwards. (laughs) Because the ball is like way over his head. And it went 92 or 93 yards. I can't remember the exact number. So that's a bomber memory of mine of John Ryan. And as I remember... He had just as much class then as he does now. So as my saying goes for him and for most people, good things happen to good people. Absolutely. And and I'll tell you why. You don't make it 10 years with one team, let alone 10 years in the NFL, without having a pretty solid character. And it's, uh, it's great to see... John Ryan being able to continue his career in the NFL going forward with what looks like to be the Buffalo Bills. Mike, we'll leave it at that for week 11 preview. Um, If you haven't already done so, check out our week 10 recap out on all the podcast platforms. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, basically any podcast platform you can think of. If you want others, let us know. Uh, visit our website, mikefmwinnipeg.com slash the Canadian Football Countdown. Uh, that last part's all hyphenated. And uh, follow us on social media, Facebook and Twitter, at CFC on Mike FM. 
uh, stay tuned, especially there, to uh, for all the you know programming updates in the coming weeks as we shift into uh, our kind of new schedule and workflow here. Uh, again, if you missed it at the top of the show with me uh, returning back to school for the fall term and taking on a decreased role with the podcast. Also, uh, better luck with that, Ryan. Again, like I said, I just wanted to quickly slide in one more note too. Uh, major break game Friday night, Minnesota Vikings, Seattle Seahawks, Brandon Zilstra. Right. We'll be looking to make the Minnesota Vikings. I was talking with somebody today who uh, is very familiar with the Vikings situation at a really good camp. Unfortunately, suffered an injury and a kind of sudden back that other players kind of passed him in the depth chart. He defined it to me as a major break game Friday night. For Brandon Zilstra, he doesn't think that Zilstra will have a spot uh, as a receiver. He thinks he'll make it more as a, a primary special teams guy. But he said, nonetheless, he said this to me, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit. He said, Michael, this appears to be a major break game for Brandon Zilstra. So, so stay tuned to that. Watch that. Uh, we wish Brandon Zilstra luck. Uh, we uh, love rooting for CFL guys. Uh, as they get their shot down south. Uh, Mike, enjoy your week off next week. I hope you enjoy some family time uh, and a bit of a vacation there. Yes, family reunion at the cabin. Wonderful. Hope that all goes well. Uh, So no Mike on the podcast next week. Uh, I will be uh, taking over both episodes. I will uh, stay tuned for guest announcements uh, for those, as well as Tony Allen from Rouge Radio, Filling in for Mike on the recap episode next week. I uh, was kind enough to coordinate that with me. Uh, and I'll try to get the game preview interview for the preview show next week as well. So stay tuned for all of that. Follow us on Twitter once again at CFC on Mike FM for that, all that. And uh, follow at CF Pod Network and CFPodnetwork.ca to check out all the other great Canadian football podcast network shows. Uh, For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening to this episode of the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you have a wonderful week and enjoy some great football games. And take care, and we will talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye.